what I want to do um, right away is kind of catch you guys up. It's been kind of the polar vortex, as <laughs> I love that, as, as Kate said. Um, I looked over at, at Matt and I asked him if he filtered what she says before she stands up here because you never know what's going to come out of her mouth up here, and I love it. I love it. But the polar vortex, I was trying to come up with a funny word, and that was perfect. That was great. Uh, and so it's been kind of, kind of crazy. And, and then you come back and you see Chris and Crystal standing up here, and Nathan, and now me up here. I'm, so I'm just continuing this, this cycle of crazy that we're in here at Redeemer, uh, and I'm going to share a message with you guys today, um, but I want to catch you up. I want to look at Ephesians and um, where we were in this past series, and just kind of uh, catch you up and, and make you aware of what we've been talking about, and so if I use language um, that, oh, I know what that means, but I want to define it a little bit more, um, so if I use it in my uh, message here today, you'll be, oh, that makes sense now. So in Ephesians, what we looked at is our identity in Christ. We looked at who we were and who we are, not because of us, but in spite of us, all because of what Jesus has done for us. And so what we get with that is that our acceptance is not from our performance. Our acceptance is not in our failures, is not in our successes, is not in our accomplishments, is not what we do at work or how our marriage is or or how we parent, but it's in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus performed for you, His performance is now imputed to you, and that's how you're seen as righteous, because of Jesus, not because of you, not because of your works. And so because he lived the perfect life, because he died the death that we deserve, we can share this love with others. We can forgive others because we have been forgiven. We can show compassion to others because we have been shown compassion. And what I want us to see with that is that all of this, all of this isn't alone, that when we get imputed with his righteousness, we're adopted into his kingdom. And that now you look around and you see brothers and sisters that you're surrounded with in this adoption. You see that you're not alone in this. And this is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the community of believers. And not, not church as it is on Sunday mornings, but what the church and the foundation of the church really is. And what makes us come together? What ga- why do we gather, gather together, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week? Because church isn't an event. It's who we are. It's who Jesus made us to be. And I want us to get that. I want us to start this new year off with that resonating in our minds. That this is who we are created to be. Not because of our works, but because of Jesus' work. And so, that, that's what I... And, and I'm saying this as the director of community groups here. And, and so some of you can say, oh, sure, of course he's going to stand up here and talk about community because he just wants to go. No, I'm saying this. <laughs> I'm saying this because it's who we are. It's our identity. Our identity is in Christ. And Christ is in community. And Christ creates, allows us to be reconciled not only to God, but to one another. And we get to do community. It's not have to do community. We get to. And I want us to, to look at that and I want to dive in. But the thing is, is that what I have found before we even get into the text, what I have found is that my communities that I searched for growing up, and I'm young, so I'm not going to say back in the day, and I'm not going to, uh, no, I've had mine, I have a few experiences, but my experiences, what I found is that my community that I found was based on what I did, not who I was. Right? And all of you are, most of you are shaking your head. If I played basketball, my community was with those guys that I played ball with. If I worked out, it was with those guys that I met at the gym, and I found community there. If I, when I went to work, not if I go to work, when I go to work, 
right? It's, it's, it's there that I find my work community. But all of those relationships are based on what I do, not who I am. And the beautiful thing about the community of believers in the Christian community is that it's founded upon grace. It's founded not on what you do and your failures and, and your accomplishments, but it's a founded on something so much more complex and so much more beautiful than that. It's founded on Jesus and who he was despite who you are. And I want, I, I want to look at that, and I want to look at 2 Corinthians five sixteen through 21 to, to really just bring that home. So if you turn there with me um, and stand, I'll read this text. Second Corinthians five, sixteen through twenty one, Ministry of Reconciliation. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Sorry. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I pray um, that as we look at this, this word that you have given us, because, Lord, you didn't leave us alone, um, Lord, that we would see the foundation of who we are, that we would see the, the foundation of who you made us to be, who you created us to be, and, Lord, the love that you had for us in Christ. Lord, I pray that um, as I stand up here today, that I would not be seeking acceptance in the message that I share. But Lord, out of the love that you have given me, share this message. And Lord, bless um, these people as they hear it, that it would fall on open ears, open hearts. Um, Lord, and as we walk away, we'd go into community and and share and talk about all that you are doing. Um, Lord, we love you, and we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Um, So I, and you can be seated, yeah. I first want to just start out by saying this is a large text. And I was sharing this with, with Matt Johnson before. This is a large text. And it's a deep text. And it's a, it, I may get really excited up here because I'm a pretty excitable person. Okay? And I may start rushing through. I may start jumping from here to there. And please forgive me in that. Um, but also know that I, I have spent um, time in doing this and that I hope that you can keep tracking with me um, as I lay it out, but know uh, that it's not my purpose to get you confused and to get you overwhelmed. Uh, take n- as many notes as you wish, but, but here's, here's what I want you to get, is that this text lays out our foundation. This text makes us who we are in Jesus Christ. It tells us who we are. It reminds us of who we are in Christ. It reminds us of what we've been talking about in Ephesians, what Chris has been talking about in Ephesians. It tells us who we are. It sets the foundation of our identity in Jesus. And if you walk away with anything, walk away with that. 
That this is our mission out of our identity that's been given to us in Jesus Christ. So know that. So if you lose me, if I'm not tracking with you, forgive me. But go back to that and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. Um, and so what I want to look at is, um, is four different things. And there's, here's what, here it is. Our identity in Christ, our identity in community, our mission in community, and the foundation of all that we have. Um, but before we get into that, we need to define reconciliation. The title of this text is Ministry of Reconciliation. If we go past that and we don't know what the word reconciliation means, we're going to be confused as to what this text is pointing us to. So I want to be deliberate. I want to be intentional with the word reconciliation. And it, it literally means a reestablishment of an interrupted or broken relationship. Or to reconcile means the exchange of hostility for a friendly relationship. And some of you, and I don't want to assume this, uh, some of you may be able to apply that. Some of you may be able to see that word and see the definition and say, oh, that makes sense in according to the Bible. That makes sense and points me to Jesus. But I don't, want to, I don't want to assume that. I want to go back and start at the very beginning and see, okay, how does this word reconciliation define who we are and what Jesus has done for us? And so we're going to start right at the beginning. At, the very, uh, at creation, the heavens and the earth were created. The creator and creature enjoyed perfect unity, no separation, uninterrupted fellowship. Everything was good. But at the fall, Genesis 3, we see that relationship shattered. We see sin separating creator and created. We see, and no longer were maker and man living without separation, but because of Adam and Eve, man traded holy love for hatred toward the Lord and sin. And not only was it hostility from man to God, it was from God to man. Now, in his holy and righteous anger, it burned against those who sinned against him. Right? And so we were separated. That created that separation. And so for thousands of years, what we read in the Old Testament up to the New, we see this disturbance. We see this separation. We see God's pursuit and man's fall. We see sin separating God and man. We see, and that's what we're reading about. We see the murder. We see the deceit. We see it all. And that, it's because of right there, Adam and Eve and that sin. And for thousands of years, that happened. The disorder. God had promises to fulfill. And they found their yes in Jesus Christ. And so what we just, separ- or what we just celebrated was the birth of Christ. We celebrated Christmas. We celebrated the incarnation. God with us. We celebrate that as his fulfillment of his promise. To send him. And so... Then this leads us to the crucifixion. This leads us to Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, died the death that we deserve on the cross. Not just stopping there, though, but the resurrection, rising, conquering death, conquering sin, reconciling not only us to God, so we can come to Him, so we can pray to Him, but also to one another. So no longer does our sin separate brothers and sisters who have been adopted into His kingdom. And this is our community. This is what reconciling, this is the word reconciliation. This is what we see. And it's the great exchange, right? It's the great exchange. Martin Luther coined that term. And it's, it's the great exchange is God is willing to count all our sin to Christ as belonging to him and have him pay its penalty. Christ took our sin on the cross and we get imputed with his righteousness. And what we need to realize is, is the word reconciliation as we read the Old Testament into the New Testament is the Bible is not about good people making it up to God. 
It's not about, okay, here's how to go up the ring of the ladder. But it's about God making it down to the worst of people. We need to, we need to make sure that we're reading the Bible, realizing that. That the people of Israel and the prophets fall and they fail. They make mistakes. They do. They sin. They get afraid. They're selfish. They're deceptive. They're prideful. They're unreliable. And who does that sound like? It sounds like us. It's us. Right? And the Bible is one long story of God meeting our rebellion with his rescue. Our, sal- our sin with salvation. And our guilty verdict with his grace in Jesus. That's who it points to. And so the, the ministry of reconciliation is God reconciled all things to himself through Jesus. Meaning that because of Jesus, we have access to God. We can pray to God and we can come to him as we are. Sin no longer separates us. So we don't have to clean ourselves up. We don't have to have this future version of us before we can come to him. We have to accept him as our Lord, as our treasure by faith. Right? And that, that creates this ministry of reconciliation in our own hearts because we've been reconciled. So why? That's our mission is to share it. And so our identity as community of believers, is reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. In Him is where we stand. In Him is where we are seen righteous, is where we are seen perfect. Nothing of our own, but all because of Jesus. And that's, that's reconciliation. That's, not even before, that's me not even touching the text yet, just to let you know. So I don't know about the playoff game at 1 o'clock, but we'll see if we can... I'll try and get you out. So as we, as we look at right away um, in verse... Uh, 16, we read, um, from now on, therefore, pointing to what he just said in chapter, in chapter 5 there, and he, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. So the therefore points us to that in verse 14. Right? We regard no one in the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ in the flesh, because he became man in, in God's relentless pursuit of us. We regard him thus no longer because he reigns at the right hand of God. Amen? Amen. What we see here in this next text, in the next verse here in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We see right following this, and I love it because we see him jumping from the singular to the plural right away without any hesitation. So if anyone... In verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Singular. Verse 18, jumping past the old has passed away. Verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So upon becoming a new creation, it is now in us. It is now in community. It is now adopted into his kingdom as sons and daughters. So the singular now becomes the plural upon being created and being accepting Jesus into your life and him pursuing you with relentlessness, right? And so the new creation that he's talking about and the us that he's talking about is a new humanity. And I want us to turn to Second Peter. You can go ahead and turn to or you can just listen. Second Peter. First Peter, excuse me, too. 9 through 10. And you can just jot the text down and then look at it later. But it, Peter writes, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So who does, 
Who does Jesus make us? A new creation. He makes us a royal priesthood. Because of Jesus and his imputed righteousness, we are seen as royal priesthood. We are seen as saints. We are seen as righteous. Not because of us, but because of him. And that's our community. This is, this is who this makes us. It makes us our identity in our community. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us. And this is, he created us to live in perfect unity with one another. And this, Jesus makes this happen. And it's because of him. The new creation that Paul is talking about is the one that he originally created and that he's going to create. Right? It points, all of this points to what Jesus did on the cross. Reconciliation. We aren't just saved out of this old way of living and in it, which we were dead. We had no life. We are saved. We are given new life in Jesus, where our guilty verdict is taken away, our sin is taken away, and we are given Jesus' righteousness. Reconciliation is what we are seeing being played out. And like we talked about in Ephesians, our entire life upon this is transformed. Not just bits and pieces, not just certain parts here and there. Our entire life is transformed. There are new desires, new wants, like we talked about, new pursuits, new perspectives, new priorities. And Paul, in this text, is assuming that reconciliation creates a new community in your life, that you're living in community upon being created new. That it's not just this added thing, oh yeah, by the way, here it is. No, it's who you are. It's your identity. It's not like you can... Schedule it into your... Everything that you are comes from you being a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister. It's who you are. Your identity and community is everything, is your center. And so, what this means is that it comes with a new life. Upon accepting Jesus, upon being blessed with faith by grace, community happens. Community comes. Community becomes that new priority in your life. And what I want us to realize is that um, being known fully and being loved is amazing. It's amazing. I'm sure all of you have in, that's being living in community, sharing your life together, being fully known and fully loved, despite being fully known, is a pretty amazing thing and points us to our Savior in community. And all this is coming because of the therefore that Paul writes in verses 13 and 14 of this same, same chapter. Um, all this is coming because Christ died for all. And that's the therefore. And this, this created a new humanity. And this new humanity is the community of believers. And Jesus shines through the new believers and, and the church. And Leslie Newbigin, and we've heard this quote before, puts it like this. And um, he writes, I'm suggesting that the only answer, the only hermeneutic of the gospel is a congregation of men and women who believe it and live by it. I am, of course, not denying the importance of the many activities by which we seek to challenge public life with the gospel, evangelistic campaigns, distribution of Bibles and Christian literature, conferences, and even books such as this one. But I am saying that these are all secondary and that they have a power to accomplish their purpose only as they are rooted in and led back to a believing community. And as we, as we go on in this, in this text in verse 18, we see that it's all because of God. And if I can get to the right text there. We see that it's all because of God in, in verse 18. Excuse me. 
All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And so we did nothing. We brought nothing to the table. And here I'm just going to be completely honest and just share. This is, this is the trap that I fall into. I fall into the trap that I earn my, the grace that comes. I fall into the trap that I earn the blessings that come into my life. I, fell into the, I fall into the trap that the Lord blessed me with my beautiful wife because I was awesome. <laughs> and that's not true. <laughs> but that's what we do, right? We, we feel that, oh, right, I got this because I was good in this way. I got this because... And what happens is in verse 18, Paul says, you have done nothing. All this is from God. You were dead, right? And I see this. This is what I see working with kids. I work with kids. I work at Benford Rogers Elementary. And what I see is when a kid makes a bad, a poor decision, right? They all do. Um, there, there's going to be a consequence for that, right? It, I don't call it time out. I call it think time. Go think about what you just did, right? And they go sit down and instantly, right away, they ask, what can I do to get out of it? Most kids are going to ask that question. How do I speed this up? What can I do? Can I clean something? Can I give you something? They try and earn their way out of the punishment that they deserved, right? They do it, they do it all the time. It's like there's something that they can do to wipe away the misbehavior that they've already done. There's another kid crying in the corner because they hit him with a ball in the face. Right? That happened, that's daily for me, by the way. That, that is daily. Um, and you have 60 kids running around, it gets kind of crazy. We, but we as Christians have to fight thinking this way. And, and Tulian Trevision puts it like this. If we aren't careful, what can happen is we can put off to the people that the Christian life is about our sacrifice for him rather than his sacrifice for us. Our performance for him rather than his performance for us. Our obedience for him rather than his obedience for us. Jesus has done everything. What we can do is we can make this life about what we do and all about us rather than Jesus, right? And our walk can look like we're, we're, we're doing something and it's all about us instead of it's what Jesus is doing, nothing that I'm doing, right? And I, I fall into that trap. And I don't, I don't want to give us too much background information on, um, on this text just because we're not, it, it's a boom snapshot of this text. But what I want to do is know, know that Paul is pleading with the Corinthians. He is pleading with them because he's spent so much time diving in, doing life with this community. And now he's seeing that there's a false gospel being preached and they're starting to believe it. They're starting to fall away from the gospel that he will die for. They're starting to fall away for the gospel that he'll sacrifice his life for and be put in prison for. And that breaks his heart, not because of all the work that he's done there, but because of the love that he has for them. Because he's invested time with them. He's invested and spent and shared and sacrificed for them. And what I want us to see is that the same way that Paul is pleading with the Corinthians is that we need to be pleading with one another to come back to the grace that has been poured out on a daily basis. On a daily basis, we need to come to that point and wake up with that realization of you have done nothing. The grace that has been shown to you is not because of you, but it's because of Jesus Christ. You need to wake up and get to that point, the point of the cross. And in that, what we see is that we can't wait to dive into community and share what's happening. 
right? Because of all, verse 18, of God, that God has done for you. He's t- telling the Corinthians, um, who have been opposing these views um, of the gospel and, and offsetting the truth of the gospel, he's reminding them that this is the truth. He's pleading with them passionately, not as an outsider or someone who wasn't connected and only connected through letters, but as one who has relationship with these people and who truly loves these people. He's pleading with them. And then in verse 18 and 19, we see, we see our mission that we've been given. Verse 18 19, All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This is the message we've been given, to share with those who haven't heard, to share with those who have swayed from the truth, to share with those who we love and who have forgotten, who maybe have never heard of this message, this ministry of reconciliation, of Jesus, of the gospel, of his love for them. This is the message that we are to share that the ministry of reconciliation we have been given is the gospel that God has brought people to himself by dealing with our sins in Jesus, in Christ. That God is the reconciler. That, that through Jesus' perfect life, his death and his resurrection, God has reconciled all that would believe to himself. Paul is pleading with these people within this letter. We implore you. The word implore is not, is not a begging. It's a passionate word. It's one that's pleading out of, with love. You're emotionally invested in, these, in this person and you're, you're imploring them. And it's not, it's exactly what we've been talking about in Ephesians. The love that we have is, is, is not to earn love back, but it's because we've been loved that we can love. It's because we've been forgiven that we can forgive. And it's because we sacrifice, we sacrifice everything because Jesus has sacrificed everything. And this is it. This is the foundation. And, and what we see here is Paul imploring them. And, and another way to put it is um, we implore you, be reconciled to God. We, the church, we, the church, the community of believers, implore you, the lost, the world, our neighbors, our coworkers, our kids, our kids' coaches, our friends, our family members, all those who are so dear to us, we are begging you, pleading with you, please, for God's sake, be saved. This is the message that we've been given. This is, who, this is who Jesus is making us. And with this, this is our mission. Because we are new, this is who we are. And this is who, what we are to share. And this is our mission together. By joining together in this mission, we resemble the one who brings us together. His purpose being played out through the church. So as we go out into the community, as we invest our time with others, non-believers and believers alike, what we do is we resemble Jesus, the one who came and died in our, on our behalf, in our place. And so another, uh, another quote that, um, that we see and we've heard here before and I just want to remind us is, is John Stott um, says it like this, for the church lies at the very center of the eternal purpose of God. It's not a divine afterthought It's not an accident of history. On the contrary, the church is God's new community. So then, the reason we are committed to the church is that God is so committed to us. And we know he's committed because of Jesus, because of him sending his own son to die, 
we see that commitment being played out. And so, what I want to do is look at it in, in terms of this. Look at it in terms of our community and how it applies to us today. Um, we come here on a Sunday. We gather. We corporately worship. We hear the word preached. Um, we, we worship with one another. We take communion together. We serve one another with the hospitality to the kids, the utility, the worship. Um, and what a blessing that is for my wife and I. When we're not here, we miss it. We miss you guys. Um, and it's just a huge blessing. But as, I'm, as I prepped this message and as I looked at it, um, I, I'm just going to be honest. We're, we're growing here at Redeemer. And what that means is that as we grow, it's going to be continually easy to just show up here on a Sunday. It is. To just show up here, sit in the back, listen to the message, say hi to a few people that you know, and then leave. And feel like, feel like yeah, I'm, I'll see you next week. I'll show up next week and see you guys then. And what I, what I want us to look at is that uh, it's going to be e- too easy to just write off church as something that you do on Sundays and check it off the list rather than church is who you are. Church is part of your identity, the center of your life. Not adding it to your schedule, not adding it as just a Sunday event, but everything that you are because of your identity and who Jesus has made you to be. And um, what Paul is telling us here is that there's such a larger foundation in what we have here than we could ever possibly comprehend. And that the motivation, the foundation for us doing what we are doing flows from the gospel. So as we come together, it, it, it's because of the gospel. Um, and I want to still look at our community here, and in my sense, as, as this, the community groups. And why, why does it look the way it does? Why do we do community the way we do it? Why are we community united throughout, not just on a Sunday, but throughout the week? Why is that the case? And what is the foundation? And what we get, um, and this, this is coming from, from guys much, much smarter than I am, um, who is, has much more experience than I am. Um, what we get is three different categories of the reasons why we do community here. And all of these are great. Um, none of them are bad things. Hear me, hear me say this, please. None of them are bad things. Um, but they all flow from something deeper. And so the three reasons are four, what are the results? The what, what happens and how does it play out? And the why, the motives behind it, the foundation behind it. So the four category looks like this. Well, why are we doing community groups? Why do we have community groups throughout the week and not just go Sunday to Sunday? Why are we doing life together Monday through Saturday, Monday through Sunday? Why does it look like that? Um, Well, to grow, right? Make disciples. Invite new people in, bring them in, and then grow this sucker, right? Let it blow up, right? And then we go and plan another one, right? Make a big thing small. So we're growing here. So then we go and meet in smaller groups throughout the week to be known, to have deeper relationships, to have below-the-surface relationships, and then to multiply, right? Like I said, plant another church, plant another CG, right? Scattered throughout, littered throughout Bloomington to love and share in this mission that we've been given, the Ministry of Reconciliation. So, like I said, all these are great things. And then the what category, what happens there? Well, why should I come to a community group? Well, because we're awesome, right? Because we're cool, right? We, we have good food, some, some groups have better food than others, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything else. Uh, we have fun together. You make new friends, right? You can spend time in the Word. 
Some, you can make up for time in the Word that you didn't spend all week long until you get to CG, right? No. Uh, time to pray together. To pray together and to, to share your sin. To repent. To confess. And to be reminded of your identity in Christ. All awesome, awesome things. Um, but what can happen with, if these two are the answers for why we do community here, what, here's what can happen. For the four category, it becomes a results-based group. It becomes defined by all that we accomplish or don't accomplish. Well, your group is a failure because I multiplied five times and you only multiplied two. So I win, type of thing, right? It, and it becomes a job, right? And, and that's the extreme. You hear me say that. That's the extreme of what can happen. But if that's the sole reason why we are doing community groups is to get results, we're missing it. We're missing the foundation. And then the what category. These reasons can turn us into consumers, it's defined by what we do, what we get, and what we don't get. So if I don't get good food at a community group, I'm not coming, right? If I don't find new friends, I'm not going to do it, right? And so what happens here is that we become a works-based group. It becomes all about what we do that gets people into community. It becomes all about how successful we are as far as the results and, how, and what we do, what kind of food we have, how do we get along, do our personalities connect Right? What I talk to you outside of church, right? That's really, some of us are united on the sole reason of Jesus. And that is amazing. Because some of you, I would not talk to you outside of knowing you in the church. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm just going to be honest with you. I love you. I truly, truly love you. But that's the truth. But because of Jesus, we're united. And I have pretty darn good friendships with a lot of you because of that reason. Not because of what I'm doing outside, but because of who I am. And who Jesus is making me. That's why we're friends. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so what I want us to realize is that all of these things are awesome, awesome things. But there's a bigger motivation. There's a bigger foundation for why we're doing what we're doing. For what we do and what we accomplish. There's a bigger motivation. And the, the motivation, why do we do community? And why are we a community? And why is our identity wrapped up in community? Is because we were created for it. It's who we are. Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image. Our image. Right there shows that God himself is a social rather than a solitary being. The father is a father because he has a son. God is persons in community, in relationship, in the Trinity. So his image cannot be displayed by an individual, man, but by man and women together. By men and women together. Genesis 2.18 points us to that. So by becoming a Christian, I belong to God and I belong to my brothers and sisters. My being in Christ means being in Christ with those others who are in Jesus Christ. My identity, this is my identity and this is our identity. It's not an option, it's who we are. If the church is the body of Christ, then we should not live as disembodied Christians and disembodied members. If we are the body of Christ, we shouldn't live as disembodied Christians, right? And then the second reason is because of Jesus. Apart from him, we would never be able to reflect who God is because of our sin that separated us. But because of Jesus, he reconciled us to God and to one another. We get to reflect this relationship in community. That's, that through our interaction together, through our love, loving one another, through our sacrificing for one another, through our forgiving one another, it points to Jesus. It points us and shines. We don't shine. Jesus shines. We're not the light. Jesus is the light. 
who happens to shine through us, right? That's what happens when we are reflecting our identity in community is the way we interact with one another shines Jesus. And here's, because of who Jesus is and what he has done, we can and get to do life together, not have to do life together. We get to do life together. It's a privilege and it's because of our identity. Paul puts it this way in verse, in the very last verse, verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The we there is the community. The we there is doing life together. The we there is sharing your life together with one another deeply and throughout the week, not just on a Sunday. So think about it. Um, Think about it as you walk away. Um, With this reason, um, this is our very existence. This is who we are. That church isn't something we just add um, to our schedule. Um, It's not something we just juggle with everything that we do. Church is who we are. It becomes the center of who we are. The what, the for, and, and what we do, how we do it, and what happens as a result flows from the foundation of why, and it's Jesus Christ. Um, here's the deal. God made us as persons in community to be the vehicle through which he would reveal his glory to the world so that when we are doing um, community, when we're reminding each other, um, those we're doing life together, pleading with one another, um, pleading with those we so desperately want to see come to the fold. Um, We want to share a deeper life with them so they love Jesus. We want to go out into this world so people come and love Jesus, not based on what we do, but based on what Jesus has done for us. Um, So at this this new year, um, you're creating resolutions. You're you're creating all these challenges for yourself. Um, I plead along with, with Paul in this Dive in the community. As messy as it may be, dive in. Um, wherever you're at, you don't have to fix yourself up to join us. Join us um, and, and see what Jesus does. Um, like I said, dive into those who maybe you normally wouldn't share your life with and see how Jesus shines through um, out of your identity in him and who he has made you. Um, join the mess that it could be and see how Jesus shines through rooted in the gospel in your identity in him. Join in on the mission that we've been given and that Christ has laid for us to share the depths of his love with the rest of the world, with the city of Bloomington. And I just pray that you would, you would take some time and reflect on that um, as you leave here. Um, look at the text. Um, ask questions to those surrounding you. And uh, make it a challenge to dive into the community this new year, 2014. Um, and let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for just this time together, this time to uh, worship you, to celebrate you. Um, Lord, I, I, I just pray that you'd forgive us in the ways that we, um, we feel like we're earning grace, Lord. We feel like we're... Um, that it's because of, of what we're doing, um, Lord, and not, not because of you. Lord, forgive us in the ways that we're making our, ourself famous and not you famous. Um, Lord, and as we go forward from this place, 
Um, let us rest in our identity in you and who you made us to be in community. Lord, I pray that that would just sink in, sink in our, our hearts. Even in those moments where we don't um, feel like being around people, um, let us die to those feelings, die to ourselves, um, Lord, and, and see how you shine through, being renewed day by day by your grace and, and may it abound, Lord. Um, thank you for this opportunity and we love you and we pray this um, all in Christ's name. Amen.